Hey, everybody. It's good to see you. Hey, welcome. If you're a guest back at Monitor, you may be kind of sort of new around here. Welcome. Really, really glad you're here. My name's Ben, one of the pastors here. You're coming at a great time. I'm glad you're here. So uh, we're talking about surprise the world here. Uh, and it made me think of this thing. Did you see this thing in the news where this uh, lady last week, uh, I should say her son, got a pretty big surprise. Do you see this? Her name is uh, Sharon Dobbins. And Sharon lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And her 16-year-old son didn't want to get out of bed and go to church on Easter Sunday. Did you see this? This is great. So she did what many desperate parents have thought about doing, but few of us have probably ever done. She got out a taser stun gun and zapped him <laughs> while he's in bed. Talk about a surprise, right? And when they interviewed her, I love her line. She said, well, I told him, I said, get up, it's Jesus day. So that's one way to get your kid out of bed to go to church. She said she was only trying to scare him, but then the police found like two little marks on his legs. So, you know, I think she did a little more than scare him there, but apparently. So she spends the day in jail and I doubt he went to church either. But anyway, surprises have a way of getting our attention don't they, right? Some of you old-timers will remember what Gomer Pyle was Surprise, surprise, surprise. Remember that? All the, all the 50 and older raise your hand because you remember Gomer Pyle, right? So surprise, 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 right? So when something is surprising, it kind of like, it turns your head. It makes you like notice. It makes you want to ask a question. It arouses curiosity, and that's what we're talking about. Of course, last week we began on Easter by reminding ourselves that, man, Everything about Jesus is surprising if we allow it to shock us. You know, if we think about the fact that God visited the planet in person and then came as a baby, that's surprising. And he lived such a surprising life. You know, his teaching was radical and the the things that he proposed were upside down, it seemed. And then as quickly as it all happened, he died a surprising death. It's like, didn't see that coming. And then biggest April Fool's joke of all, he's alive again, surprise again, and here he is back at it in the world, and perhaps the most surprising thing for us to get a hold of today will be this, is that now Jesus calls you and me to live a surprising life as well, to live a surprising life, because you see, Jesus isn't just some historical figure who died and that we remember from a long time ago, but he's alive, and he's here in our midst And when you invite Jesus then in your life, he is in your life, and he lives in and through us, and this is the living Jesus who now sends us to live a life very much on purpose, to live a life that's synced up with his mission and his intentions for the whole world. And when you do that, with Jesus alive in you, on mission, on purpose, you're going to live a surprising life, and the chief way you do that is by by looking a little more like Jesus in your life than other people around you. Like things about who Jesus was, things about what he taught showing up in your life. Well, that's surprising. And that will cause people to ask questions. And you'll have an opportunity then to speak to that. Colossians chapter 4 Colossians chapter 4 is a great passage. It, it says it this way, kind of good words for us today. Here's what it says to anyone who's interested in following God. Okay, here's what it says. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Always be thinking, man, how, how might I represent the cause of Jesus here? Make the most of every opportunity. What opportunities has God given you to live for him, to be on mission for him? Let your conversation 
always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, just, just right, so it goes down nice, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The Bible says you're going to live the kind of life that's going to lead people to ask questions. That's why you'll need to, as First Peter says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give an answer for the hope that you have within you, but then it says do it with gentleness and respect. Keep your conscience clear that if anyone speaks against you, they're going to end up being embarrassed because they see what a good life you live because you belong to Jesus Christ. So you get this idea. It's the, it's the way that we live that's going to cause people to say, wow, that's different. Are you living a questionable life? Is there anything about the way you're living that's a, it's going to cause someone to say, that's interesting. I, I, I wonder why she does that or why he doesn't do that. We're, we're, we're meant to arouse curiosity, and too often we just blend in. So it's time to surprise the world. Surprise the world. That's what God's people are called to do. And remember to do that. You don't need to go stand on a street corner somewhere with a megaphone. You just need to be weird in everyday, ordinary, good ways. Not the, not the dorky, obnoxious, weird ways. But our, it, it's permission for everyone to be odd for God. All right? Look at the person next to you and say, you can be odd for God. You can be odd for God. Some of you didn't say that with very much conviction. But looking at some of you, I think some of you have a head start on others. So this is... This is, uh, this is what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about five, I'm going to say easy, to adopt habits that will help us be odd for God, that will help us live a questionable life, that will help us, if you incorporate these habits, they'll help you be on mission, they'll help you live for God, they'll help you surprise the world. And these habits are going to engage you and me in three directions, up, in, and out. Try that with me. Up, in, out. Up and out, right? Up, because they're going to help you connect more deeply with God. Up. And in, because they're going to help connect you more deeply with other believers. And it turns out you really need that as well. And out, because they're going to nudge us. They're going to push us into proximity with our neighbors. And, and into proximity and engagement with people we work with. And to the actual world where God has put us up, in, out. Or as we say it mountain around here, we have something called the mountain walk. Love God, love people, serve the world, up, in, out. That's where these habits are going. So let's talk about habits for a minute. Habits are extremely important to talk about. And so we want to spend a couple minutes here. If, if we want to really surprise the world, if we want to surprise the world, you might say, well, Ben, we got a bunch of people at Mountain. Why don't we just do some big splash, do some big event or, you know, something that will get us in the newspaper, do something like that. Well, it's because at the end of the day, that wouldn't change the world. It wouldn't surprise the world that much either. And it wouldn't change you or me. But habits, habits, those things that are part of what we do every day, those things have a way of changing us. And if we can bring... Jesus-like habits into our life, it'll not only change us, it'll, that will surprise the world. That will be effective. So when we talk about habits, I want to remind us of a couple things. One, there's a super strong connection between who you are on the inside, truly, and what you do on the outside. Okay? That's true for every person. There's a big linkage there. Your inner spirituality and your outward actions are connected. And that's why habits are so, so important. If you want to know what's truly going on inside of someone, like what the real spiritual state of them is, just look at what they repeatedly, habitually do. 
and it will prove or demonstrate the interior truth. It tells the story, doesn't it? Our actions do. This is why James 2.18 says it this way. Someone may argue, well, some have faith and others have good deeds. And James says, no, 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 no. I tell you what. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Faith and good deeds are like two sides of the same coin, he's saying. This is why Carl Jung was right when he said, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. Parents, am I right? (laughs) Okay. Carl Jung and parents are like, yes. All right. So that's the first reason I want to remind us that habits are so important is because they, we, they, they reflect who we truly are at a deep spiritual level. Now, the most important reason that habits are so important and why we're focusing on it today is exactly the opposite reason as well. Follow me now, okay? There's another reason habits are important, and it's not just because they reveal what's already going on inside of you. It's because habits shape what goes on inside of you. Your habits have a way of forming our values and creating our character and making us who we end up being. That's what happens with habits, okay? Habits are not just important because they show our true inner spiritual life. Habits are important because they shape your spiritual life, okay? This is, this is why it's so important. So if, it's not just that, hey, if you happen to have a good heart, you're going to demonstrate that in your deeds. No, no. If you do the right deeds, it's going to help shape your heart to be good. This is why Jesus, Jesus didn't teach people to pray because they already had such a beautiful relationship with God. No. He says, pray, and it'll help nurture that relationship with God. You see how it works that way? The right habits shape your heart and your life to be good. This is why Aristotle, he was very smart. He was Greek. Aristotle, <laughs> very smart guy. Greek. Here's what he said. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. You are and I am, it's true. So habits are hugely important. And we're going to talk about some that are going to end up shaping what we believe and who we are and who we become. And, and if we pick Jesus' habits, we start mimicking Jesus, then guess what? We start becoming a little more like him. And if you start becoming just a little more like Jesus on the daily, guess what? You're going to surprise the world and you'll be a different person as a result. And that's why. So let's talk about the five habits. Now let me tell you, when I tell you what the five habits are, you're going to go like, you're going to be very underwhelmed. You're going to go, Seriously, that's it? After all that buildup, that's all you got? Yep. But the good news is they're all easy to do. Every one of us can do it. Some of you aren't believers yet. Some of you are brand new Christians. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long, long, long time. Doesn't matter. These habits are the same. Anyone can do them. All right? That's what's nice about them. And here's the thing. They just fit into everyday life. Here they are, five habits. Number one, bless. Everybody say bless. We're going to bless the socks off a bunch of people over the next five weeks. It's going to be so much fun. We're just going to bless, bless the world, okay? Number two, eat. Everybody say eat. Because some of you are like, this is like, this is like now I'm interested, okay? So, yeah. Um, some of you eat real good. And we're going to get to eat more intentionally, more strategically, and eat on purpose. Jesus was always pretty much coming to a meal, leaving a meal, or sitting at a meal. Most of his ministry happened around food, and we need to get better at that too. Number three, learn. Say learn. We're going to, this is, this is talking about every week taking a little bit of time to learn a little bit about Jesus, who he was, what he taught, and what it, makes, what it means for you. Learn Jesus. Four, listen. Try that one. Listen. Listen is where you just get better at sort of hearing God's voice to you. What's God really saying to you about, like, like right now, like when he, when he sometimes speaks to you in the middle of a day, like, like what, if, what if that Holy Spirit nudge you could get better at hearing? And fifth is the word sent. 
sent is a reminder that your life isn't just here to sort of go through the motions, you know, get, you know, get your grass to grow this spring, whatever. You're, you're, you have a much bigger purpose in life, and it's that you're sent on a mission. And there you go, bells, B-E-L-L-S, bless, eat, learn, listen, sent. We're going to ring the bell, and that's the, that's the thing. Here we go now, listen. If we do these habits and these practices, and we start incorporating them, blessing people, eating with people, and so forth, it's going to end up changing kind of who you are on the inside. If you really bless people over and over, it's going to end up making you more generous as a person on the inside. It's, it's, it's going to be impossible not to have that change you. And if you eat with people intentionally and strategically, it's, it's going to have the, the effect of making you more aware of hospitality and just generally how to open your heart and life and home and pocketbook maybe for other people as you eat with them. It's going to change you. And, and as you learn Christ, you're going to end up being more Christ-like in some little way. And as you listen to the God's voice, you're going to learn to be more spirit-led in your everyday life. And as you know that you're sent, you're going to be, man, I'm living my life on mission. Listen, these are things that God wants to see happen in your life. I hope you want to see happen. But if you want to see them happen, don't just go try to make them happen. Just do these habits and they will happen. Everybody tracking with me? All right. Now, before we get too carried away I want to di- and dive in, I want to talk to you about one more thing. I want to talk to you about homework. Homework, all right? You're like, homework? You got to be kidding me. Yeah, there's going to be homework because some things are too important not to have homework. You got to have homework. Here's homework for this one. I can tell you right now that none of the messages over the next few weeks are going to be fantastic. They're just going to be kind of like, yeah, middle of the road. But where they will be high impact is if you do the homework. The whole point of the messages today and over the next few weeks are really only about one thing, and that is to get you to do the homework. Try to convince all of us to put into practice some of what we talked about. The big impact won't be here where we have this big moment, wow, this amazing experience together. The big impact is going to be what happened when you walk out of here. All right? So that's it. I promise if you do, there will be payoff. Like throwing a, rip, throwing a rock into a pond, there will be ripples. All right? If you do the homework. I promise there will be. Here, so for example, here's the homework This week, starting today, you have a week. And every week for the next five weeks, bless three people. One who's a person who who goes to Mountain, part of Mountain, part of the church. One who's not part of Mountain, not part of any church. And one anybody you like. Okay? Bless three people. Inside, outside the church, and anybody else you like. That's it. That's your assignment. Ready, go. Okay? Go do it. And our goal, of course, is to trick ourselves so we'll see how much fun it is and sort of have to do the homework that by the end of five weeks it'll be like, yeah, it's kind of what I want to do all the time. It's kind of natural for me now. All right? That's, that's our goal. We're going to try to trick ourselves. We have to sign it as homework. Hey, let me just be clear about one thing. You don't have to do the homework. You don't have to do it. No one's going to make you do it. Okay? No one's going to chase you down. See if you checked some boxes or anything like that. And let's be honest. If you, if you don't, you don't want to surprise the world in any way. You, you don't want to change your life. You don't want to be open to what God's doing. You don't really want to grow. You want to stay the way you are. You don't want to impact others. You don't want to be a mission for God. Really, all you want to do is sit through a bunch of messages and just, you know, you know smile and nod a little bit and make it look like you're here. Then don't do the homework. Okay? Don't implement these habits in your life. You, your job, your main job will be just to sit and smile and nod at me once in a while like pleasant, you know, whatever. Just do that, okay? So there you go, all right? So if, you, if you do want to grow, and if you are open to what God wants to do in your life, 
And if, if you want to try to say maybe something about my life could be surprising and God could use it in his mission and something cool could happen for you, then I, I hope you'll give it a go. And there you go. Your choice. So let's dive in today. Let's dive in today. The first, the first habit, here it is, ready? Bless. There it is. Bless. We're just going to bless some people. We're going to bless them real good. All right? Specifically, you're going to think of three people. Name them. Think of them. Write them down. Do whatever method you need to, but be strategic. Be on purpose. Don't put it off till, till next Saturday night. You know, figure it out. Map it out. Or you might want to leave one open that God might bring to you. Or worst case scenario, you bless four people this week. That'd be okay. You don't get extra credit, but there you go. All right. Now, there's a lot of good reasons why we begin with this habit of just blessing some people. Let me give you some reasons why we start here. Number one, the first reason it makes sense to begin with bless is that blessing is the very reason that God called his people into existence in the first place. Do you know that? You go back to the Old Testament. There really was nobody following God. And so God says, I'm going to put together a people, and that people became Israel, and that Israel became the church through the mission of Jesus, and that's why we're here today, and the whole purpose is to bless people. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It starts with a guy named Abram, and so God visits and says, the Lord said to Abram, I want you to leave and go, go take a step of faith. So go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. I will show you. So take a step of faith here, Abram. The Lord, and then he says, I will make you, Abram, into a great nation, and I will bless you. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and then you, in turn, will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The reason God calls anyone is to bless them so they can be a blessing. And the reason God has called you into his world and his life is to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's why we begin. That's the whole reason God calls us. Number two, the second reason it makes sense to begin with blessed is this is the way Jesus lived his life, right? We're Christians. We, we're, we're supposed to be little Christ, and this is the way Jesus lived his life. This was his MO. Everywhere he went, wherever Jesus showed up, someone's about to get blessed. Yes, he did some miracles. Yes, he did some teaching, and that drew some people, but mostly the reason they showed up is because if you were hungry, you were about to get fed, or if you were kicked to the curb of life, someone was going to love on you, or if you were told that you were unimportant or unclean, Jesus was going to make you well and whole again. Jesus blessed people. It's the way he did his life. That's why we start here. It's everything about Jesus was a blessing machine. Third, it makes sense to begin here because Blessing others is how the early church made its mark, okay? We can learn so much by going way back to the, like the earliest sources of the church in its purity. And man, these guys, they just loved people really well. That's how they made their mark. They drew from passages like 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 9 through 12, it says this. These are good words for us. This is what it says. It reminds us that we're special first. It says, you're a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. See how blessed it reminds us that we are in Christ. And then what are you supposed to do with this blessing? Well, it tells us. As a result of all this blessing, you can show others the goodness of God. You see that? He's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, so go share the light. You've been blessed. 
to be a blessing. It goes on to say in verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received mercy. So you've got all this good stuff, now let it ooze out of you onto others. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, don't forget, you don't belong in this world permanently. Don't just blend in and try to make it your goal to make this your permanent home. This isn't your permanent home. Stay away from worldly desires and all that stuff. Don't get cozy. Be odd for God. And then it says, here's a strategy for you. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors because people are watching. And then they, when they, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. Honorable behavior is what gives glory and honor to God. So this early church took that stuff to heart and they just blessed the socks off of people now you remember um, in the early centuries the church grew like wildfire like an unstoppable growth despite the fact that in the Roman Empire man they were doing everything they could to squash this early Christian movement I mean they made it illegal to follow Christ they threw Christians to the lions they, 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 they confiscated their property if you came out as a Christian. They, they, they blacklisted you with the Better Business Bureau. I mean, they, I tell you what, it, it was tough to be a Christian, and yet the, the Christians kept growing. One of the guys that was so bothered by this was a guy named Julian. He was the emperor in about 362 A.D., Julian loved the, the pagan religion of the Roman entity. He, he loved uh, the Roman gods, and he wanted to see the Roman religion rise to ascendancy again, but, he couldn't, but everyone was leaving and going after this, this Jesus guy, and it, was a, it, it really bothered him. So he studied Christianity closely. First, he tried to stomp it out. That didn't work. Didn't work to kill him. And then he tried, and then he tried to improve his wor- religious system, and they, they built fancier sanctuaries and improved their worship services, and still everybody left and went after Jesus. And he was like, this isn't going to do it. So he studied, and then he writes a letter to one of his pagan priests. He says, I figured it out, and he's figured out a, a program that he wants to institute, copying from the Christians to try to stop them and help these pagan um, religion grow. You can read it on Google. Go find it yourself. Julian is his name, but I'll read just one little tiny paragraph from it. Basically, he says in this letter, as he writes it, it's really interesting. He says, you know what? Um, We don't care about people, but those doggone Christians, they keep blessing everybody, and everybody loves them for it. That's the secret. I figured it out. I've watched these guys. They keep doing all these super kind deeds all over, and everybody loves them. He can't stand it. He says they open their homes, they share food, they care for people. We can't compete with that. They're all loving us. So here's here's how he ends that whole letter. He says, why do we not observe that it is their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and their pretended holiness, he calls it pretended holiness, of their lives that have done the most to increase atheism. Atheism is what he calls Christianity because it's not the state religion. I believe that we ought really and truly to practice every one of those same virtues. For it's disgraceful that these guys, those, he calls them impious Galileans, his name for Christians, not only support their own poor, but ours as well. And all men see that our people lack aid from us. They're making us look bad because of the way they love everybody so well. This is what he observed about the Christians. And so he tries this whole government-funded program that he's going to sort of give some aid to people, and he's convinced it's going to turn things around. Everyone's going to come flocking to the Roman religion, and it utterly failed. It was doomed from the start. Because here's why. Their, their gods didn't love anyone. See? They lacked what the Christians 
had, which was Jesus, the living Jesus in and through them, and the example of a loving Jesus who had gone before them. Blessing for the Christians wasn't checking a box or doing something to get people to like you or join your movement. It was just simply a way of extending this incredible blessing that they had received in Christ to others. It was a way of doing what Jesus did when he gave dignity to people and breathed life into them and encouraged them and helped them. And they just, they heard Jesus say, if you do that, you're like doing it to me. And so they thought they were blessing Jesus when they blessed other people. And they knew they were blessed by God in so many ways to be a blessing to others. And it surprised the world. The early Roman world was very curious and astounded by this alternative society called Christians. And I think we're called to create that same curiosity today. To love people so well through our actions that when we turn around and then say with our mouth, hey, God loves you, they'll believe us. Because if you say God loves you and you haven't already demonstrated that you love everyone, then why would they believe us? So the way, you sh- the way you make God's word credible is you just get busy and you bless the socks off of people consistently over time. So that's why we begin with blessing. Because it's where God begins when he calls people. He says, you're blessed to be a blessing. It's how Jesus lived his life. It's how the early church made its mark. And one more. Blessing is the way that the Holy Spirit continues to nudge us and prompt us how to live today. God is talking to each one of us. Do you ever feel like you sense God just saying to you, go bless that person. Turn around and encourage that person. Hang around and do something kind. That person needs a, needs a, a good word today. That's God. And he still speaks that way. The living Jesus does that. And when you open those floodgates, like you open your mind and heart to hearing from God a little bit, it's just going to grow. Like he's going to show you more people that you can bless and ways you can do it until it's a way of life, until you look a little more like Jesus. Let me give you one more reason that we want to begin with bless. Here it is. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's a blast. You know, when you, when you see something that would really encourage someone or just something that they need and you have it and you can do it, you can like fill that need or help them get there or supply their lack. It's like, man, that's awesome. It feels great. It's so much fun. We're going to have a good old time with this, okay? So we're going to bless some people. What are we talking about when we bless someone? I love what Michael Frost says about definition. Here's what he says. A blessing, he says, is it comes from literally the meaning to add strength to someone's arm. When you bless someone, you're adding strength to their arm. Their arm is like getting weary under the load, but you're going to help lift it up. That's how you bless somebody, okay? When you, anything that relieves someone's burden or helps them breathe more easily, can be a blessing for somebody. So are you thinking? Who's your three? Write them down. Think about them. Put them in your phone. When are you going to do it? It might be some expertise that you have. It might be encouraging word. It might be, I don't know, there's lots of ways you can do it. You know, my friend Danny, he has a bobcat, a skid loader thing. I needed some dirt moved in my yard. Danny shows up with his truck, pulls that thing off, moves the dirt in my yard, pulls away, waves at me. He blessed me with a bobcat. You can bless with a bobcat. My friend Ed knew that I was fertilizing my lawn and I didn't have one of those fancy broadcasters. He shows up in his pickup truck with one of those broadcasters. He puts it in my driveway, says, gave me an excuse to buy a new, better one. You can have that one. Drives off. You can bless with a broadcaster. How cool is that? 
I laid an egg one Sunday with a terrible sermon, and Kevin Bradley texted me and said, ah, you probably don't feel that good about that, but let me tell you how it helped me. Suddenly, I felt like my arm was lifted. See? Once in a while, I'll, I'll like, have an exhausting day or, you know, a 16-hour day or something like that, like, like some of the rest of you, or, you know, preach 10 times or whatever, go home and collapse. And, the, and my kids, once in a while, they'll come and they'll just take, take my shoes off and just start rubbing my feet. And then I'll figure out slowly what they want. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying there's lots of ways to bless people. Lots of ways to bless people. Okay? Michael Frost says, usually, as you get practical about this, there's blessing kind of comes down. It's going to be one of three things. One, it might be words of affirmation. You could bless someone this week, which is a text or an email or a card. Okay? Or just some spoken words. Build someone up. Oxygen for the soul. Two, it might be like um, acts of kindness. Just do someone a favor. Could be mowing a lawn. Could be babysitting some kids of exhausted parents. It could be just getting someone's mail or dr- walking their garbage cans up to the. You know, how, it doesn't matter. Could be big. Could be small. Third, uh, uh, words of affirmation, uh, acts of kindness, or just a gift. It could be expensive gift. Could be a cheap gift. Could be a homemade gift. My mom writes cards. My niece Katie draws pictures and gives it to you. And you're like, you do that, you do that for me? Because as Michael Frost reminds us, when you give a gift, it's not the gift itself. It's like the intention behind the gift that sticks with somebody. Like, man, you thought of me? You, you think you, you value me that much that you would go to the trouble? So it could be a food basket, a book you give someone, or whatever. Here's remember, now we're, we're going to gift, we're going to bless inside the church, and we're going to send off some blessing rockets, and they're gonna, inside the church they're going to start ricocheting all over the place. We're going to create a real mess here. Like some of you know my friend Nyla from Mountain here. She's a little dear. I just love her to death. Nyla had a little procedure uh, recently, so I just sent her some balloons just to bless her. Oh, my gosh. She's been blessing me ever since as a result. She sent me this card. She sent me the, she, she's like coming up and giving me these hugs. So that's how it works. When you bless someone, they're going to bless you back. We're going to start sending a bunch of ricochets and boomerangs all over the place, and it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, and then we're going to bless outside the church as well. A couple quick cautions as we get down to this. Number one, remember we're blessing people. Don't make them projects. They're people, not projects. All right? Just love people. No ulterior motives, not because you're going to get anything out of this. Just love people. Bless them. Okay? Number two, remember the rule is it's only a blessing if they think it's a blessing. This is not about you, like what you think would be so cool. Okay? Bless someone. I, husbands, do not show up and give your wives a vacuum cleaner and say, I just want to bless you with this. And, <laughs> and the floor in there is, I, I dropped some popcorn. So yeah, no, not, not going to do that. Proverbs 27 says this, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will not be taken as a blessing. Okay, that's a curse. All right. If instead of leaving a tip for your server, you leave a little track that says, Jesus loves you, that's not a blessing. Okay, no more cheap Christians. All right, let's do this. We're going to bless. We're going to do it right. We're going to bless people. Be attentive and let it shape you, all right? What if your reputation was as a blesser? What if all of us together, this is a real blessing community? Okay, now, Easter offering. You all gave real generously. That's great. We'll give you more details on that, but it's going to help plant a church in Wilmington, Delaware. It's going to help plant a church in Nairobi, Kenya, and the rest of it we're using to bless people in our community. Take a look at the screen. Hey, April. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Hey, I wanted to come. Can, can I talk to you for a second? Yes. I wanted to come, and we know that you give so much of yourself, and you work so hard. We wanted to come and surprise you. I have a $500 Wegmans gift card for you. Oh, that was so sweet. And a couple of uh, restaurant gift cards for you and Marcus to go out. Oh, that was so sweet. Happy. And surprise you. Say how much we love you and how much we appreciate you. Thank you, guys. You're so welcome. Gabby came to my now senior small group two years ago. She's moved a couple of times. Recently, she lost her dad, and her mom is now putting almost three people through college, um, one being Gabby this fall. So we're gonna go surprise Gabby with a huge blessing. Okay, girl. I know that you've had a rough year. Okay. <laughs> I know that your mom is in school yeah. and you're going to Messiah and you're so excited, right? Okay. Well, Mountain Family, or Mountain Family, wants to surprise you and gift you with some gift cards. Ooh. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, camera. We love you and God loves you. On behalf of Mountain, we want to gift you with this. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's so nice. Here's a receipt. We already went to the bank okay. and deposited $600 Thank you. for rent. Okay. So we're sur blessing some people. Fun stuff. We'll have some more next week. So let that whet your appetite for what you can do on your own. Now, uh, let me close by sharing with you one concrete idea that anyone can use as one of your three this week. Okay? Let me give it to you. Mountain has had this long and strong relationship with a great mission group called Missions of Hope based out of Nairobi, Kenya. They operate in the slums, like the worst slums you can imagine in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. And hundreds of mountain people over the last several years have sponsored hundreds of kids to help them receive education and health care and all this stuff K through 12. And the difference between where these kids live in the sewage rotted slums and where they are as a result of sponsorship is amazing. So here's the deal. Um, a lot of these kids have worked their way through high school and have graduated now, and some of the sharpest ones have dreams that God has planted inside of them, but will take college to fulfill those dreams. And we're going to help some of those kids take their next steps. And to do that, to go to college, they're going to need some scholarship and some student loan assistance to make that happen. So 25 of us from Mountain are climbing Mount Kilimanjaro this summer in August as a way of drawing attention and helping bless some kids who are sharp and deserving take their next steps to go to college. It's a huge mountain. It's about 19,000 feet over that, actually, but it's really nothing compared to the obstacles that lie in front of these kids coming out of the slums. And having worked their way all the way through and the ones who are doing so well and ready for college just need a little assistance, we're going to take a bunch of our next steps and our training and up the mountain so they can take their next steps as well. And every one of us on this trip uh, is raising a bunch of money to, to go on the trip and then raising a bunch of more money to help send kids to college. Um, I'm going to put the names of um, 
of people on the screen right now, and these are people from Mountain that are going on this trip. I just want to say to you, if you want to bless someone, I guarantee you this is a way that will make a real difference, change the trajectory of a whole family, and uh, a gift of any size will help. These are 25 people from Mountain that are going on this trip. If you know any of them, I would encourage you to help them in their goals to raise funds for these kids. So support them is what I'm saying to you. If you know any of those names, scan the list. If you know any of them, I would encourage you to do that, all right? If you don't know any of them, or maybe you know them, you just don't like them. (laughs) You know me. I'm trying to raise a boatload, okay, for kids. You don't have to help support my trip. I want you to help support kids to go to college. I'll take care of the trip myself. So um, here's how you do that. You can go to um, my blog, which is outofmymind.cc, and there's a little link there, and it'll take you right to the page about Kilimanjaro. Or you can go to Facebook if you want to, okay? And this is not for everybody, but some of you are like, oh, that would, that would excite me. I would love to, to do that. That's who I'm looking for, okay? And uh, you can check off one of your blessings this week, all right? And uh, we're, we're going in, in August. You'll hear more about it later, but that's it. Okay, there we go, friends. Homework. What's your homework? Bless three people this week. One inside the church, one outside the church, one anybody want to. Mark it down, do it. Um, you know, you can, you can give, them a, give them a gift, give them a word, give them an act of kindness, anything you want to do that will make their arms stronger. Write it down, remember it, just do it. Okay? All right, class? <laughs> God's going to use it. I trust it. Let's pray. All right, let's pray. God, uh, I pray that um, we would be people that would take a moment to realize how much we've been blessed. Sometimes when life is hard or circumstances are lining up against us, we don't always appreciate that fact because we get kind of locked in on what's not going well or the hardship that we're facing. Sometimes we're so inside out, God, it's, we can't even watch someone else get blessed without thinking, what about me? And I just pray that we would be impressed right now with how much you have and are and will continue to bless us through riches in Christ. And that you will do something in us that will make us want to reflect that outward, God. Make us a blessing machine this week. And take everything we do, whether it's a word or an act, and magnify it. Not for our sake. Not even for the sake of the people we're blessing. But for your sake. Help us to surprise the world. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said,